Hi, I'm Gavin Giovanni, Professor of Neurology at Bath's and the London School of Medicine. In this MS Selfie podcast, I uh, discuss the task, the issue of uh, secondary progressive MS, essentially, um, uh, particularly falls and falls prevention and what can be done about it. Um, <clears throat> I got an email from a 48-year-old woman with secondary progressive MS. She was diagnosed as having the disease 22 years ago and had been on interferon beta rebirth for 12 years before stopping it. Uh, she stopped it because she returned to the UK from living abroad in Australia and decided not to reinitiate it. Um, interestingly, she didn't have any relapses um, after starting rebirth and hasn't had any obvious relapses since stopping it. And her last MRI scan uh, done in 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic did not show any new uh, lesions. The main problems are dragging of her left leg with left foot drop, which causes her to trip and fall frequently. She also has bladder problems with recurrent urinary tract infections and nocturia, passing urine at night, and bowel urgency with intermittent diarrhea and constipation and several episodes of incontinence per year. She states that her walking distance is limited to about 30 minutes, one to two, kilom- one to two kilometers in distance, which is quite good, and I assume she's pushing herself to achieve this. And she sees a physiotherapist who has provided her with a hard foot splint um, after having failed a trial of a functional electrical stimulator or fez. And the physiotherapist now wants her to start using a walking stick. Um, <clears throat> she described in her email that uh, she didn't really like the walking stick. It doesn't look very cool uh, and makes her look like she's got a disability, essentially. She's had several falls. Uh, tragically, she fell and broke her left wrist during lockdown. And more recently, she fractured several ribs. So she's obviously um, very vulnerable and at risk of uh, you know, further fractures. You know, um, you're probably aware that people with multiple sclerosis have about a six times higher risk of long bone fractures in the lower limb. And if she does have a fracture, that may be what tips her uh, into using him to use a wheelchair. So it's really important we get on top of this lady's walking problems and falls. So yes, I think there's a lot that's been done for this patient. Um, Firstly, we need to get on top of her bladder and bowel problems. And I'm not going to go through that. I've done quite a large number of MSL for newsletters uh, addressing both bladder function and uh, bowel problems. And I've, uh, in the post, I've uh, referred you to this particular patient back to reading the uh, issues around bladder and bowel self-management. I've also suggested she reads uh, the two uh, newsletters on anticholinergics because we often use these drugs for bladder uh, problems and you need to be uh, aware of the complications associated with anticholinergics if you're offered that. I think this patient's main problem however is coming to terms with her physical disabilities and she probably needs counselling. Um, in addition to the uh, weakness in her lower limbs I would like to know if she has spasticity uh, and whether or not she also has poor balance and steadiness we call ataxia, which may be contributing to her falls. And I suspect because of her fractures, this physiotherapist is absolutely right that she needs a walking aid simply to try and help uh, help prevent her from having further falls because the walking stick provides a, a tripod mechanism, additional support. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this patient has um, problems with her writing reflexes and balance that need to be addressed. <clears throat> Um, I'm aware that walking sticks are stigmatizing, but it doesn't have to be so. And I suggest this patient uh, explores different walking sticks and chooses one that suits her personality. And I would refer her to the Audra Shepard 
website, Tripping on Air, my trip through life with multiple sclerosis. So Arda is a person with multiple sclerosis who lives in Canada, and she's a very empowering uh, woman, and I've uh, done some social media um, activities with her in the past. And uh, instead of letting her be defined by her MS, she's allowed her MS to empower her, and she actually uses her walking stick as a fashion accessory. And there's a very good um, YouTube video uh, highlighting this. And I'd also reckon you, uh, I would also suggest you uh, look at her website. She's got a blog called Tripping on Air, My Trip Through Life with Multiple Sclerosis. At the same time, uh, I know people with multiple sclerosis don't like to be compared to other people with multiple sclerosis. So it's clear that not everyone uh, can deal with the MS the way Arda has done. So if this this particular patient needs help coming to terms with MS, I think she may need professional help, uh, for example, seeing a professional counsellor. And I always re recommend if people are having uh, problems uh, dealing with having uh, multiple sclerosis, be it the initial diagnosis or then the uh, uh, labelling of having secondary progressive MS or more advanced disease, uh, she should have CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy and mindfulness. I've yet to find any patient who's taken up mindfulness coming back and saying they didn't find it helpful. That's really helpful. Simply meditation, essentially. It's living in the now, not trying to worry about the future. And people with multiple sclerosis find this very, very helpful. Um, there's also group therapy. Um, and a large number of MS units will have group therapy sessions. There are often um, group therapy sessions online. Um, and just speaking to other people with a similar problem to you often helps. So, uh, the, you know, these self-help groups are something that sh uh, for some individuals uh, could potentially help. I think before I could make firm recommendations for this patient, I would really need to examine her. I would want to know if she has any spasticity or, and if she's on any antispastic medications like baclofen, tizanidine, clonazepam or gabapentin. Uh, these can often reduce tone splinting in the lower limbs and that brings out the so-called ragdoll effect brings out weakness in the lower limbs and if she does have the ragdoll effect she may have to have her medications altered you know the ragdoll effect is well known for uh, exacerbating uh, falls <clears throat> and I've, I've done a previous newsletter on the ragdoll effect and i would suggest reading this if you do have that problem this patient clearly needs a personalized exercise program and this is why she needs to continue with her physiotherapist and I think the focus should really be on her balance and falls prevention. Uh, and one of the problems we find is as you get more advanced disease and more difficulty walking, you reduce your daily activities. And this leads to deconditioning, becoming unfit. And it worsens your physical condition and you get into a vicious cycle. So if this particular individual finds physical exercise like walking tiring and she can't do it, she may find hydrotherapy or aquarobics more helpful. Exercising a pool has many advantages. First of all, is uh, you can't fall, so the risk of fractures in the pool is very low. Um, and also the water provides resistance, so you can do quite a good exercise, even hit high-intensity interval training in a pool. Um, when I was recently ab abroad in, uh, in France, um, I saw a spinning class uh, uh, um, uh, in a swimming pool where they had these... Uh, metal bikes that, uh, that were stainless steel and uh, there was a spinning class occurring in a swimming pool and they were they were clearly doing hit so there's lots of stuff you can do uh, in water 
particularly uh, if you're having problems with exercise-related fatigue or conduction block as a result of your body temperature going up. You know, water um, <clears throat> sometimes helps patients uh, limit the rising body temperature that occurs with exercise. And the other thing is multitasking. So um, I would be very interested to know if this particular patient has a problem with multitasking. You know, as MS progresses, it damages the, both the brain and spinal cord, and people develop uh, cognitive problems and can't multitask. Um, and this is simply because your MS reduces your reserves and you don't have the ability to focus on many things at once. And um, I put up a, a, a short study uh, showing that the so-called walking while talking task um, uh, causes people with multiple sclerosis to de walk, uh, their walking deteriorates. And I have several patients who have told me this, that when they do a mental task while walking, um, they've had falls. So this particular patient does have problems with uh, multitasking. She really does need to be reminded that walking needs her attention and she should try and not do anything else but just concentrate on walking. Uh, this is really to prevent her having falls. And then obviously this patient needs a, a bone health assessment. You know, you're probably aware that people with multiple sclerosis are much more likely to have thin bones. We call that osteopenia and even osteoporosis when it's more than two standard deviations, you know, very thin bones. And as a result of this, people with multiple sclerosis are at high risk of fractures. So she needs a bone density scan or DEXA scan. This is done in the NHS via the general practitioners. And if she's found to be osteopenic, she will need treatment. Uh, and depending on what level it is, you start with vitamin D, calcium, you know, you need biphosphonates, hormone replacement therapy, etc. Um, so uh, managing osteopenia and osteoporosis is generally done uh, at a stage one level by the, by the general practitioners. And if it doesn't respond to treatment, you have to go off and see the metabolic uh, bone uh, specialists, these tend to be endocrinologists, and there's a whole uh, medical specialty dedicated to managing uh, osteoporosis. <clears throat> um, this woman is 48 years of age, so she may be menopausal or perimenopausal, and I think if I saw myself, I would clearly go into whether or not she is perimenopausal and advise her on menopause and HRT. And if you have any questions around this, I would recommend you read my previous uh, MSL in newsletter on menopause, which covers HRT. <clears throat> and clearly she has MS, so we mustn't forget that she may be eligible for uh, licensed disease modifying treatment. So this patient will need a repeat MRI, uh, probably just of the brain to see if she's got new lesions. And if she does have any new lesions compared to a 2019 scan, she would be eligible for saponamide which is now licensed and available uh, on the NHS for the treatment of active secondary progressive disease. Active in this context is defined as having had a relapse uh, or new lesions on your MRI scan. And sabotamide's not a miracle cure. It just slows down the worsening. Uh, it also reduces the rate of brain volume loss. And really important for this patient, it protects cognition. You know, it slows down the worsening cognition that is associated with multiple sclerosis. And at 48 years of age, this patient needs her brain and spinal cord uh, protection, protecting. You know, we, you know, if she wants to continue being mobile and continue functioning, you know, we need to give her the best chance of getting there. So I wouldn't ignore the fact that she may be eligible for a licensed disease modifying therapy. I would be interested uh, to know your experiences if, if you relate to this patient. And I'm also particularly interested if you've had any problems with multitasking affecting your walking and balance, just to share what uh, things you do. 
And I suppose this particular case study highlights, you know, um, the, the power of having previous posts dealing with a lot of the issues. And, you know, as this MSL fee uh, initiative um, advances, we'll have more and more previous newsletters that we could refer patients to for self-management. And this is one of the reasons why um, I would encourage you to subscribe if you can afford to subscribe, because um, the way the newsletter works, it's not very well curated. And so by creating the MS Selfie microsite, it's going to be well curated with an index, uh, easy to navigate, uh, and written in a format that's uh, consistent. It'll allow people with multiple sclerosis, instead of having to go through and look at look back at uh, you know multiple case studies and multiple newsletters, they can get all the information on a, in a single, easy, easily navigated uh, website. And um, the subscriptions that you're kindly giving uh, for the MSLF initiative um, are currently being used to uh, hire uh, and pay for a medical writer uh, and a website designer who's doing the web. And uh, I had my last meeting with them on Monday, and I was very excited to see the progress that's been made. And we almost certainly on track to launch um, the website uh, prior to Ectrims this year, which will be late September, early October. So thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast.